Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. We heard yesterday from young Maya, who's going to be the youngest speaker at this IWG conference, which is being hosted in New Zealand. We've got some of the major players in women's sport and inclusion, the whole, the whole gambit. And we have got an absolute icon in the world of surfing, in the world of equality, in the world of uh, vulnerability as well. Lane Beachley, six-time back-to-back, and then you chucked in another one as well. World champion, seven-time world champion in the world of surfing. Uh, welcome in, Lane. Thanks for having a chat to us today. Thanks, Mark. It's my absolute pleasure. Since you finished, I'd love to talk to you about surfing. I'm a massive surf geek. I can't surf, but I love watching it. But you are here as part of <laughs> as part of this um, wonderful uh, event that is happening at the moment, and the list of speakers is incredible. Can you tell our listeners what you want to add and get out of this conference? So my role here was as part of as an ambassador for the Laureate Sport for Good Foundation. So we're a foundation for good, for the and, and uh, embracing the the power of sport and how it has the ability to change the world, as inspired by Nelson Mandela back out back in the year 2000. So my objective is to not only share my lessons but to learn from what other people are doing because uh, we all have the same ideals and and but we have different ways in which we go about it. You started surfing at four years old and you turned pro at 16. Uh, you had your first win in 93. Uh, you had your final win, I think, something like uh, 13 years later. In 2006. The, yeah, Billabong. And then you retired in 2008. Not a normal upbringing, not a normal transition into the workspace. When you finished your surfing career, you probably had a lot of tools in one area and a lot and lacking a lot of tools in another area to go on in that next step of your life. Is is that what you found? Yeah, absolutely. Because as you said, I I've been I was literally defined myself as a professional athlete for my whole life since leaving high school, and then to walk away from that structure, I definitely felt an immense sense of loss. I lost my sense of community, sense of purpose, sense of belonging. And it took me about four or five years to overcome what I referred to as relevance deficit. I felt like, <laughs> I really felt deprived of relevance. And um, what I managed to do was immerse myself in projects that meant a lot to me and then start to measure my expectations because it's one thing to go from being a professional athlete, standing on a podium, being sprayed with champagne and being celebrated <laughs> with a trophy. That doesn't happen in the real world. Mm. You did right there. I had there. to equip myself with realistic, with, with realistic expectations, and uh, understand that that career was then, and then this is now, and just wholeheartedly invest myself in where I am right here, right now, without placing that same level of expectation on my shoulders to be the best in the world, or something. And the thing, the main thing I've learned, well, two main things I've learned, and these are my two strongest skill sets. Also, is the, the ability to listen, because we're born with two ears and one tongue. 
And then the second thing was to surrender, to surrender the process and to detach from outcome because suffering is actually a choice. Really, really well put. And you've, you've got, I don't know if it's a business or an organisation called the Awake Academy. And I couldn't think of someone better who's been through, and we won't go through your tumultuous childhood and um, all of that. I have read all about it and it's a touching, touching, moving story. But the Awake Academy that you have formed, what sort of people do you encourage to get in touch? What sort of people do you deal with? Thank you, yes. My childhood has set me up for a life where I can now share those life lessons and I've done the work. So Awake Academy is literally my life lessons distilled into online training. So anyone who has a growth mindset, anyone who might be feeling overwhelmed, dissatisfied, or feeling a sense of loss or feeling lost, uh, this, the work that I've done, I literally aim to shortcut the struggle to help people awaken to their truth, to help people become aware of their feelings. Stuff that I wish I learned in school, like how to actually sit with discomfort and manage that. How to define my dream team and surround myself with people who elevate me. How to bring more play and celebration into my life as opposed to just waiting for the world titles to come. How to just be more centered, connected and confident within myself because then that empowers me to be the best version of me and that ultimately empowers everyone around me to do the same. I'm going to touch on something that's very real for us right now and that was the win of the Black Ferns in the Rugby World Cup and something you just said, they are in touch with who they are and they let us be in touch with who they are whereas I feel like we've been distanced a lot from some of our elite men athletes, generalisation terms here I know because there are yep. there are exceptions but do you think part of their success is being in touch with who they are and actually being allowed to be who they are? 100%. You can't achieve what you want until you know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, then you'll keep looking for things outside of you to fill that void and fill that gap. So for these athletes to be really connected and centered in who they are empowers them to be who they are. But if we're, if we're not clear about who we are, then we rely on external circumstances, whether it's people, whether it's job titles, it doesn't matter. That will define us. And when we're no longer in that position or playing that role, we lose our sense of identity. So when we also connect with who we are, it enables people to connect with us. They can relate to us, they resonate with us, and therefore we, we build a stronger support network. Surfing, world surfing, I think I'm right in saying that they were the first, if not one of the first, to have uh, pay equality across both genders, the men's tour and the women's tour, same pay. Were you there when that happened? I was no longer on tour, but I did receive a phone call from the CEO suggesting that they were about to announce it and thanking me for being one of the driving forces behind it. And Mm. that was something I was extremely proud of. It brought me to tears. And then I went on to compete in the WSL World Masters Championships. So essentially, I won the first world title where pay equity was provided. So I was extremely proud. Yeah, I I thought it was amazing. And I liked that just the personality and... um, the image that the World Surf Tour has, that I, what I see coming out on my screen, is a an area of fairness. Now, it wasn't always like that. Uh, I think you actually, um, in 2004, you're the first woman to surf in a men's event. Was that a bit of a, yeah. I got you boys, come on? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they certainly took it that way. <laughs> <laughs> 
they were, you know, quite intimidated by my presence. And that wasn't the first time I'd competed against the guys, but it was um, it was the first time I think I'd done it in a in a, a world tour scenario. So um, look. The women's tour today is very different to the tour that I found back in 1990 and I'm extremely grateful for that because I'd hate to see all of the challenges and the, the battles that I endured throughout my professional career amount to nothing. So to see the girls have equal opportunity, have equal prize money, be supported and respected in a way that I wish we were able to experience in the early years fills me with that sense of satisfaction. So we don't need to compete against the guys anymore and that lack of comparison prevents us from feeling inadequate. So it's really important that girls are presented with the opportunity just to be themselves without the expectation that they'd have to be anything other than that. I mentioned to someone else um, today on the show that um, being um, being pro-equality, pro-equity, pro-equal opportunity isn't being anti-men's sport and I think that's something that we've got to get through particularly to men. Um, I'm all about the equal opportunity and the equal support and all that sort of thing. Do you think, well well, we're better now than what we were, how much further have we got to go do you feel? We still have a long way to go especially when we start considering cultures that hold women back and then just unconscious biases and that's not just limited to men, That, that definitely happens within women as well. So we really understand the necessity to um, push this agenda without exclusion. And I love what you say. It's not one instead of the other. It's, a, it's an inclusive approach to ensuring that everybody has equal opportunity, not just men, not just women, but all of us. And if we can continue to have this discussion, it's the discussions that ignite the change, but it's the actions that create the change. So we need to continue to invest in the discussions to ensure the actions start occurring. Mm, love it. Now, um, just to wrap up, Lane Beachley joining us on the show today. I was looking at the things you've achieved and it's ridiculous. I used up a page and I just I just have to stop, <laughs> like movies, Hall of Fames, <laughs> Queen Service Awards. But my favourite one is probably not the most one that's mostly recognised. You have a world record for the fastest speed on a surfboard towed by a car. That's correct, I do. Yes. <laughs> How fast? <laughs> I, I, I was doing, I, I went 90 kilometres an hour, and uh, but the GPS that was on my wrist clocked it because you have to go 500 metres one way and 500 metres the other, and I ended up clocking in at about 79 kilometres an hour as an average. Oh my God. Scared or nah? A little at, at first, but I got over that and just kept going. <laughs> it was fun. Do you still get to get out into big blue and surf some ways casually? Yes, I still surf every day I can. And um, it's my liquid valium. It's where I do all of my healing. That sounds brilliant. Lane, um, thank you heaps for, for what you've done for the Pro Surf Tour. But I think more importantly the recognition of what you achieved could help inspire others, and it is. And you just being at this conference now, giving back as best as you can, I think is testament to the great woman that you are. So well done on all of that. Really appreciate you talking to us today. That is very kind of you. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a lovely afternoon. Lane Beachley there, part of the IWG. It's about gender equality and equity in sport. You can get onto their website, listen, attend, do the whole shebang. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it.
Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.